Welcome to the Meaningful Mentor Podcast, a podcast where we discuss, encourage and offer suggestions to help you live a more meaningful life despite the barriers of illness, injury or disability. Live the life you want to in a meaningful way. I'm your host, Steph Collinson, an occupational therapist turned business owner. I help businesses with content creation, visibility online and helping them get their message out there to the world. I created a lifestyle that suits me despite my IBS diagnosis and I want to help you do the same. Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of The Meaningful Mentor. Today I have another guest with me and um, her name is Maria Cardillo um, and she is a counsellor and autoimmune illness coach um, and she is here to talk about her own experiences um, of autoimmune illness and her journey and how she now helps people so I'll hand over to Maria to introduce herself and tell um, you all a little bit more about her. Great thanks Steph. So I uh, have been living with uh, lupus for the past 28 years so I was 22 when I was finally diagnosed And as a lot of uh, people, I'm sure, who uh, have been diagnosed with lupus can tell you that it can sometimes take uh, a really long time to get an official diagnosis because Mm -hmm. lupus is one of those uh, illnesses that seem to mimic so many other things. And the tests don't always come back as positive and it can just be a really fun journey. (laughs) Uh, what I found my experience was I started getting sick probably right before I turned 21, but I didn't didn't really think too much of it because I was in college, I was working, uh, I was going out doing things. So when I started feeling a little bit more tired, a little bit more sore, it didn't really click that this was anything different than I need to get more sleep, I need to uh, yeah. exercise more, things like that. And um, what I soon started to to see was things that, again, are really common with lupus, joint pain, swelling, um, fatigue. And again, when, when I talk about the fatigue, I always tell everybody, just imagine as tired as you've ever been, absolutely exhausted, and then multiply that by 10, mm-hmm. because I, I felt like I could sleep all day and then uh, wake up and go right back to sleep. So... I started going back and forth to the doctors and saying, okay, I'm waking up and I'm, I'm swollen and I'm sore and I'm tired and everything, you know, just everything hurts. And at, eventually I really felt like I was going crazy because nobody seemed to believe me. They were like, you know, all the tests are coming back negative. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, I, I know I'm not, I know, I know my yeah. body, even at that point, I, I just, I didn't know what to do. And I lucked out. I had a doctor that I had actually seen a few years before for something else that in hindsight we realized was probably my lupus. And he, you know, saw me immediately. I called him. I said, I don't know what's going on. He brought me in, did some tests and called me afterwards and said, I need you to go to the hospital. You've got a fluid in your lungs. So, (laughs) um, yeah. And eventually we thought maybe, okay, maybe I have pneumonia. Maybe, uh, you know, there's something like that going on. And they drained it. And again, that was a really fun experience. Um, but oh, what? I can imagine uh, that wasn't nice. 
Yeah, no, but but that was probably the least of uh, everything that I probably experienced at this yeah. point. But um, what we found was the next day the fluid was back. So I spent the next two weeks in the hospital running every test imaginable, every uh, infectious disease they could think of. And when they came in and said, okay, you know, we have a diagnosis, you have systemic lupus erythematosus. And I thought, I have no idea what that is. And this was back in 93. And at that point, lupus really was not something that was heard about all of the time. And initially, I actually thought, is it a type of cancer? Is, you know, what is that? And as they explained, it's an autoimmune illness. And it's basically my body is attacking itself. And it can affect every organ in your body, every system that you have, uh, connective tissue, your skin, and there are, you know, a few different types of lupus. So the systemic that, that I have, uh, like I said, basically, and has affected every, <laughs> every area that I, that I have. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was actually, I, I will say as scary as it was, it was actually a good thing to finally have a diagnosis, to have, have something to put a name to it. And they put me on a high dose of steroids of prednisone, which was like a miracle at that time, took away a lot of the, a lot of the pain really helped, you know, even, even though we now know there's, uh, you know, side effects with that, but unfortunately mm-hmm. it's one of those things that works the best. And that basically began my 28 year journey with trying to figure out yeah. how to live with something that I'll have for the rest of my life. Um, unless I am uh, lucky enough in my lifetime that they find a cure, but it's been, I won't say, well, it has been interesting, <laughs> not, not, yeah. a, not necessarily a, a good thing, but I will say it's, it's definitely taught me a lot and it's brought me to, uh, I like to think to where I am today and, you know, kind of to some of the things that I do in, in my professional and my personal life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you've been on quite a journey, but I'd be <laughs> a little bit more interested to know kind of like obviously you're getting the diagnosis I, I imagine there wasn't a lot of kind of information out there about it or anybody else that had it as well or anybody that you could connect with that had experienced the same as you and um, just to have a bit of that like support and know how to even like begin managing it going forward so I'd love to know a bit more about were you able to reach out and connect with other mm-hmm. people and how did you manage your symptoms and okay. how did you find what was best for you? Yeah, it uh and and you're right. Yeah, at that time there really again there wasn't a lot known and and what was known was very depressing. There wasn't a lot of positivity mm-hmm. as far as the outcome and the life expectancy for people with lupus. So at 22, that was really scary. I remember there was one support group that the hospital that I had been in at the time had told me about. And it was an actually a really bad experience. Uh, and I, I say that because the people themselves obviously were, were wonderful and, and the other patients, but because of, I think, where everyone was in their own journey and because of what we knew, mm-hmm. it was just a very sad and depressing group. And there wasn't anyone there to not just even facilitate it, but to kind of help and say like, okay, this is what everyone is going through. Let's, let's talk about this. Let's, you know, obviously allow you to 
to share and to express all of this, but what else can we do? Like, how do we, and, and I, and I don't mean like the, the just, oh, just think positive and it'll be okay. But basically mm-hmm. this is the reality. So what can we do with it? And I, even at that time, I remember thinking, yeah, no, this is, this is not something that I can do. And I know for me, I'm, I'm an innately positive person or optimistic person for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that was something I really struggled with. So uh, I remember at the time my my mom really tried to help, you know, researching and, and looking. And as I said, there there wasn't a lot of information out there. And what we could find was extremely depressing. Mm-hmm. And we came across uh, a woman who back in 1952, actually, had been diagnosed. And again, that was way before uh, even less was known. And she had written a few books at that time. Uh, and she was, again, one of the probably few, uh, positive stories that we had heard about. So I had purchased her books. I had read them. I actually reached out to her and she had called me at one point. I forget where, what state she lived in, but she had called me. She had talked to me, written me back. And that was probably <laughs> the extent at that point of the the positive message that I had that, okay, here is someone who was diagnosed with lupus, has lived, again, not without issue, without uh, struggle, but Mm -hmm. has lived. And that was the whole point. She had lived her life. She had been living and working and doing all of these things. So we finally came across, I'm in uh, New Jersey, so we had finally come across a chapter uh, in my state of the Lupus Foundation. And there Mm -hmm. are various, I now know, various foundations in different areas. And that was the the start of probably about a year or so after I was diagnosed of being able to link with other people Mm -hmm. who were living with lupus, who had family members. And we were able to, as I said, to connect and, and advocate and get that support, did ran fundraisers for, uh, research and things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was probably the extent of what I was able to find as far as positive information. Although I will say, and you know, for a lot of people out there, I know that it is also a struggle as far as their medical professionals. Sometimes you get amazing doctors, sometimes mm-hmm. not so amazing. I did, uh, I was really lucky. I was very blessed that the doctors that I had when I was initially diagnosed, even though there wasn't, uh, as I said, a lot of great information out there they were really amazing. They were very supportive. They were, they took the time to explain things that were happening. They listened to me. And as a 22, 23, 24 uh, year old trying to, as I said, figure out what life looked like at that point, they allowed me to learn these things, to ask these questions. Mm-hmm. And the first three years, I was in and out of the hospital a lot. I had every organ involvement, uh, which ended with kidney failure at the at the time when I was in my uh, mid mid 20s. And the again, the doctor that I had at that point, that was we were preparing for a, a kidney transplant back then. Mm-hmm. And as scary as as that was, he he was really an amazing doctor. So I, uh, I did. I do have to say that I was so lucky to have that initial experience with medical professionals that taught me what it meant to be able to advocate for yourself, to learn as much information as you could, because you know your body 
the best. They they know the medical side of it. They know the research. They know what they're going to tell you, what procedures are our best. But mm-hmm. you have to be able to to know you regardless of of all of that information. And you have to to be able to share it with them. So I, you know, I hold that as one of the the most important things that I I try to, you know, uh, work with other people with is, you know, being your own best advocate. But yeah, the the first three years and then ironically, I went into what they consider remission, meaning just that all of my lab work uh, was stable. Although the ensuing years after after the first three, my lupus always found ways to to creep up and um, mm-hmm. to make sure that it was it was still uh, known that it was there. Back then, I, I ended up having what they considered spontaneous remission with my kidneys, so I didn't need the transplant at that time. And then coming forward 20, 20 years, they they told me that okay, I, just natural wear and tear on my kidneys, my lupus. Four years ago, I actually did end up having a, a kidney transplant that I was blessed uh, to be able to have mm-hmm. uh, from a, a donor that I actually know. And um, that has definitely been a second uh, lease on life. So, yeah, the, the lupus has has shown itself in not just physical ways, but it's also taken its toll on other areas, it's affected other things. I know that there's there are women who uh, are living with lupus that have been able to, you know, get pregnant, have children. Some women, for different reasons, uh, they have difficulty. Mm-hmm. I happen to be one of those people that it just affected to a certain extent that it actually, between that and some of the meds, it, it did cause infertility. So that was definitely a huge struggle uh, at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think as sad as, as a lot of those uh, points were, I had said before, it's what I think it is, it is shown me though, is how strong I can actually be and what I can now offer to other people. Definitely. You've built up a lot of resilience going through kind of all that, definitely. Um, and it's great now that you feel like you can help others on their journey and mm-hmm. support them. So I, I know you've talked a lot about your journey and things, but just going back to it, I'd love to know, obviously, I don't know a whole lot about lupus. So okay. and you talked about joint pain and a lot of kind mm-hmm. of fatigue. So like day to day now, do you, do you find that managing it is easier or difficult or is it quite just like spontaneous? You're not sure when you're going to have a flare up. It's for for me. And that's the other thing. It's it's mm-hmm. such an individual uh, process. So I know. Again, there could be a hundred uh, people of us standing here with lupus and each have such uh, different experiences. Uh, mm-hmm. For me, I know that I am actually one of the luckier ones that my my joint pain is more or less, I call it seasonal, meaning uh, when, the, when the seasons start to change, the weather changes, I feel it in different areas. Uh, so obviously as the weather starts to get colder, it's definitely like somebody with arthritis. Uh, it definitely flares mm-hmm. up more when it's hot outside. I actually can be more fatigued and feel more sore. That's another thing that people with lupus, the sun can can unfortunately be something that kicks off a flare. So it can actually make us sick. So we have to be really careful about mm-hmm. being outside, being protected if we, you know, if we are. So yeah, I know I'm I'm one of the the people, and I, I've talked to a lot of people. I'm on other different groups, and 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some people, they can't be outside at all. Some people, the, the joint pain is absolutely horrible. I know I'm usually, when I wake up in the morning, again, I'm more stiff than, than not. So until I get moving, uh, things like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I know for uh, for me, for my my journey at this point, and uh, some of the meds that I that I do take because of my transplant also are helpful in that sense, and they also do then also have ironically side effects that mm-hmm. can cause different things like bone loss, uh, as I said, with the, the prednisone and osteoporosis, which comes along ob- obviously with age, things like that. But yes. I do count myself lucky for the symptoms that I do experience. I don't mm-hmm. feel as if they're as exacerbated as they were years ago. Yeah, definitely. And, that, and that's great. And that's that's probably to do with obviously meds and your kind of education around how to um, manage it better. But then kind of obviously you've been through a lot in your journey. So how how do you help people now who come to you for support with kind of their autoimmune illnesses? I'd love to know a bit more about that. Okay. So I started my professional uh, life as a mental health counselor, which I, I still do. And mm-hmm. I've had the opportunity uh, over the last couple of years as I moved from working at different places and opened up my own private practice, working with people who had various chronic illnesses and being able to work with them to find what it means to them to be able to manage their illness in a, in a physical sense, in a mental, emotional, spiritual sense. And from that, I decided to expand and I have begun building a coaching business. And I work with women who are living with various autoimmune illnesses. So as an autoimmune illness coach, mm-hmm. uh, I'm able to work with a larger group of, of people in various areas my goal is to help everyone to discover what it means for them and how to live a life that they love with their diagnosis and not in spite of it. Because mm-hmm. as much as I know, as I said, it's it, it can be a difficult journey and it's not just a matter of thinking positively and it'll all be okay. But I do, I am a staunch believer in the fact that we are not our diagnosis, that that is not the defining aspect of, of who we are. So mm-hmm. what everybody sees as a life that they love is is so different. So now I'm able to work with individuals to help them to create or to build upon to figure out how to find those things. And, and for me, I always talk about five uh, specific things. Uh, one I had mentioned was, you know, being your own best advocate, mm-hmm. having a community. So a community of people who whether it's the same diagnosis or a different diagnosis, but who kind of speak our language, so to speak, so that we we understand we may all, as I said, even people with, with lupus, we all have such various experiences, but our experiences on that spectrum have such similarities also, the things that we're, we're dealing with, the losses that we experience, the accomplishments that we that we have, so that uh, having that type of community, having a support, so whether that support is that community, whether it's family, friends, your medical professionals, coworkers, mm-hmm. that support system is so important. The feelings, being able to identify, express, allow yeah. all of those feelings. So whether it's frustration, anger, grief, happiness, fear, anxiety, all yeah. of those 
things that can go along with it with a chronic illness and diagnosis. And believe it or not, a sense of humor. I I know for me personally, I always joke and I say that I have a, a fairly warped sense of humor. But <laughs> I think being able to find those things that can make us laugh, even if it's about things that we're, we're going through at times, again, just a few areas that I help to incorporate that with that mindset mm-hmm. in working with, uh, with women, as I said, because I feel as if my journey has allowed me to learn so much and to meet so many different people that I now want to be able to share and work with others to figure that out for themselves, to figure out, okay, you know, And how do I find that support if I don't feel like I have it? How do I find that support? How do I build that community? I've created a a support group for women with autoimmune illness. So that's something that uh, I encourage people, you know, if they if they'd like to join. And as I said, just working one on one, you know, and with the group to figure out, okay, how do we create our own? As I said, you know, I'm, I'm really stuck on that idea of I want to live a life I love, you know, with my lupus, not not in spite of it. Yeah, definitely. No, I love that. And like, I think that's like, I really resonate with that because that's a path that like the whole idea of the Meaningful Mental podcast was born on that I would love to eventually kind of create a community and be able to sort of mentor people and help people live Mm -hmm. a meaningful life day to day, despite their condition and live a life that is kind of meaningful to them and they find kind of value in every day so no, I really kind of resonate with that and I, I know that you're, you're doing great work with that so that's great and I feel like you've already answered my question a little bit <laughs> my next question <laughs> um, but if if anybody is like listening and they are struggling with kind of feeling alone with their illness not sure what to do next feel like symptoms are getting on top of them what would be kind of your three top tips or three bits of advice you'd give to somebody who was struggling at the moment with their chronic condition I would definitely suggest obviously the medical piece you know is is can definitely be a a huge thing and again it doesn't necessarily mean medicine and and things like that and I know a lot of people are always can be scared to go to their doctors but you know talking to your your doctors in order to have all of the information that kind of goes back to being your own best advocate. I feel like Mm -hmm. as scary as it can be, sometimes people don't want to know, but I definitely think having all of the information so that you can make the best decisions for yourself, having that support system. So again, if that is your family, if that is friends, if that is coworkers, if that is the a support group, whatever whatever it it is, I think I encourage people to have someone to talk to, someone to vent to, mm-hmm. you know. And and I'll just say, so I'll make number two that the support and the and the community. Yeah. Uh, like I said, searching out people of of like minded, and sometimes you might have to. It might be trial and error. Like I I talked about that initial support group that I experienced in the beginning, you know, you can find a group of people that you're comfortable with and that you want to be able to be, uh, to be open with. So I would definitely, you know, like I said, express that having all of the information, getting as, as much information in order to decide what's going to, to help you to build that support and that community, to have, have that, to use it 
And then I think to allow yourself, I go back to the feelings. I think for me, it's that idea that, and I know because everybody is in such different scenarios. If you're a young parent and and you think, I, I don't know, you know, how do I do this and uh, take care of my kids? And I have a, I have a partner or I'm single or I'm a, a young uh, or an older single person and I, I work or I can't work. I mean, there's such variations in, in everything. Being able to allow yourself to have those feelings. So allow yourself to, to be angry. We don't, we, I think we think that that's, that's a bad thing. It's not. If you're scared, be scared. Allow yourself to be scared. If you're, if you're happy, if you're, uh, you know, you're grieving the sense of who you were, who you thought, you know, you might be. I think being able to allow yourself to identify and feel all of those mm-hmm. feelings. Mm-hmm. And then, and I know people, sometimes they, they laugh at me and, or they, uh, they know it's coming because I always say that the question for me then at that point is, okay, now what? So I, I have the support. I have the community. I'm, I'm a, I'm a great advocate for myself. And I definitely learned how to sit with those feelings, to feel all of them, to allow them to happen. Mm-hmm. And then I, I always say to myself, okay, now what? You know, how do I now move forward though with this? How do I not allow that to consume me? So mm-hmm. when I say it's it's okay to be angry, it is. It's okay to be scared. It is. Obviously, it's okay to be happy. It's okay to to feel that grief. But then, and I think that's where it all kind of combines. One doesn't happen without the other. So everything that I'm talking about, all the things that we uh, we discover together, you know, working together, is then that now what is different for everybody, but it's being able to ask yourself that, okay, how do I move forward? What does my life look like? And how do I make that work? So yeah, I guess that would be my three top tips at this point. Yeah, no, I I love that. And I think it is so important to have community because you can feel so isolated. I know for a long time, I felt really isolated with my IBS and I didn't talk about it with anybody. I didn't feel like anybody understood. But once you start talking about it and realise, you know, there are other people out there who are experiencing Mm -hmm. maybe similar conditions or who, you know, have been diagnosed. One of the first kind of important steps I'd recommend just reaching out and being able to talk to someone and that piece about, you know, just accepting how you're feeling about it and just kind of not maybe reacting to how you're feeling, but maybe just kind of process it and then respond Mm -hmm. afterwards because I think a lot of the time you can get really angry and frustrated and feel a lot of guilt um, and you have a flare-up and you kind of then struggle to to move forward or pass that and then you're in that cycle all the time so Mm -hmm. um, I definitely yeah agree with kind of being able to just and even if you can't well not maybe can't but if you have trouble kind of just sitting with it maybe just writing something down or being able to express it in a bit of a different way might help you just kind of recognize those patterns of behavior around kind of when you have a flare-up and how you feel about it so yeah no thank you so much uh, Maria for giving all that great information and advice and sharing your story about lupus I don't know that much about it so it was really interesting (laughs) for me to learn more about it and I'm sure my audience uh, will appreciate it also so where can people find you I will leave all the links and everything in the show notes so if people want to go and follow you and connect with you they can but where can people connect with you 
Definitely. I actually, I have a couple different, I am on Facebook, you can find the support group itself that I run for women with various autoimmune illnesses. And it is actually mm-hmm. called Thriving with Autoimmune Illness. Mm-hmm. So they can search that on Facebook. I also have a business page, which they can search for. Mm-hmm. And it is my my name, Maria Cardillo, LLC, or they can search at Maria Cardillo Coaching on Facebook. I also post videos uh, of the things that we're talking about and yeah. that I share with others as far as uh, so on Facebook in those groups and also on Instagram. My email, if anybody ever wanted to even just reach out, it's just Maria at Maria Cardillo coaching.com. Great. Amazing. Thank you so much, Maria. I'll, like I said, I'll leave everything in the show notes. But yeah, thanks again for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. And yeah, we'll tune in next time, guys. And I've got a few more guests coming. So thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I'd love it if you could subscribe, share with others who may find our episodes helpful and leave a comment on my Instagram, which is at VA underscore Steph Solutions to let me know if you listened along and what you found most helpful.